All right, good evening, everyone. So first, I want to take the opportunity to welcome everyone back. I think Baruch Hashem, this is our first uh, post-summer shir. And Baruch Hashem, exciting to be able to resume our journey through Sefer Tehillim. And Merit Hashem, over the next couple of weeks, what I hope to do is focus a little bit on Kapitel Chav Zayin, chapter 27 in Tehillim, which of course is the parak of L'David Hashem Ori Viyishi. And of course, this is the parak, this is the chapter of Psalms that we recite throughout Chodesh Elul, right? And even again, even past Chodesh Elul, really up until the end of the Yom Tov of Sukkis. And so obviously, if the rabbis instituted that this particular psalm be recited throughout the most holy and auspicious days of the year, it's because embedded in this psalm are some of the very lessons that are necessary in order for us to have a successful, uplifting, and meaningful Yamim Nora. And we're using the source sheet that's titled Chapter 27, Part 1. There are sheets up here in front. Uh, maybe there are some in the middle as well, but if not, again, plenty over here up front. So let's begin. Kapitel Chav Zayin. So David HaMalach writes in Tehillim, L'David Hashem, Ori Viishi. So literally translated, L'David. So again, the English translation over here is of David, or really it means for David. Hashem, Ori Viishi. Hashem is my light and my salvation, Mimi Ira. From who should I be afraid? Hashem ma'os chayai mimiyevchad. The Lord is my stronghold of my life. From who? From whom shall I be frightened? So tonight we're really going to focus on the first three words of this capital. This is why we're probably going to end up spending a month on it because at this pace, right? But we're going to start right. Just really focus on the phrase Lidavid Hashem Ori. But of course, the way I want to start is, so those of you who have been with us through the journey of Sefer Tehillim over the last number of years know that you could tell a lot about the capital from the way that it opens. If you'll notice again, throughout Sefer Tehillim, you have essentially three different types of openings. You have Mizmar Ledavid, Ledavid Mizmar, and Ledavid. Now the truth is, those aren't the only ones. There are some additional ones as well. But those are the primary ones that you will find throughout Sefer Tehillim. Mizmar Ledavid, Ledavid Mizmar, and Ledavid. And again, the commentaries point out that these openings are not haphazard or happenstance, but rather, again, the, the way the capital opens ultimately sets the table for what it is that is going to unfold. So this particular capital points, bigs out Ledavid. Now, what does Ledavid mean? So if Sham Shunafal Hirsch in number two says something beautiful, and he explains Ledavid, this is one of the few psalms which begin with the superscription Ledavid Mizmar instead of Mizmar Ledavid. Now, the truth is, here, Rav Hirsch is actually commenting on Kapitel Chafhei, chapter 25, not our particular chapter, but I, I want to show you what he says. According to our sages, the title phrase Mizmar Ledavid shows that when David wrote this particular psalm, he did not do so for the purpose of raising his downcast spirit to the exaltation, to exaltation on the wings of his song. Instead, this superscription indicates a situation in which David was already filled with inspiration before and employed the medium of song only to express the divinely sent enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. So I've heard something amazing. Mizmar Ledavid means David HaMelech is in a spiritually elevated state. And the song, the particular psalm, is an expression of that already elevated state. Contrast that, says Rav Hirsch, with Ledavid Mizmar. Ledavid Mizmar means something different. Ledavid Mizmar means David HaMelech used this particular chapter in order to elevate himself 
out of a difficult personal emotional circumstance. So how much can you learn from Sefer Tehillim? Just from two words. Mizmor le David. David is already in a heightened spiritual state. The song is the expression of that state. Le David Mizmar. David is struggling. David is struggling. And he uses the Mizmar, he uses the capital of Tehillim to lift him out of his struggle and to bring him to a state of Simcha. Now I want to tell you something. Even if you just showed up tonight to hear that, you got your money's worth. Why? Because what is David HaMelech teaching us? And this is so incredibly profound. David HaMelech, when he struggles, what does he do? He recognizes that his personal happiness is dependent on one person and one person only, and that is himself. One of the greatest mistakes we make in life is that we outsource happiness. I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. And often, the way those sentences end is, I'll be happy when I find job, shidduch, parnasa, whatever it is, right? Or I'll be happy if this one does this, this one does that. The worst thing a person could possibly do in life is to outsource your happiness. If you put the keys of your personalistic happiness in the hands of others, you run the risk of never being happy. Whereas if a person recognizes my happiness level is 1000% controlled by me. I decide how happy or unhappy I'm going to be. Well, you say that's ridiculous. Because after all, again, difficult circumstances occur. I can't necessarily control the circumstances visited upon me. Absolutely. You cannot control the circumstances visited upon you. But like we say so many times, what you do control is how you choose to react to those circumstances. You can't choose your situation, but you absolutely choose how you emotionally respond to that situation. Happiness is a choice. If you're unhappy in life, it's because not that you're choosing to be unhappy, but you're not choosing to be happy. Because the moment that a person makes the conscious decision, I want to be happy, something amazing happens, which is, I'll tell you what doesn't happen, right? What doesn't happen? Your problems don't evaporate, right? Your challenges aren't suddenly solved but you have the ability to flip the switch on your emotional disposition. Lest you think that that's craziness, David HaMelech did it. David HaMelech did it. And trust me, whatever you are contending with in life, David HaMelech dealt with it. I say this, I think, every single, once a, once a Zman in the share say, David HaMelech had every single problem you could imagine. The only problem he didn't have was, you know this by now, some of you are veterans already, what didn't he have a problem with? Parnasa. He had plenty of money. That's the perk of being a king. And he came from a wealthy family. Came from a wealthy family. Yishai was a wealthy guy. Came from a wealthy family. Was the king. So David HaMelech never had the struggle of Parnasa. Other than that, anything and everything you could imagine, he had sickness. Sickness. Shalom bias. Problems with his children. Problems with his friends. Problems with his community. We're going to talk about this tonight. He had it all. And yet, David HaMelech, despite being plagued by all of these life difficulties, sometimes says, sometimes says, David Mizmar, I have to make a choice to sing. I have to make a choice to sing. I have to make a choice to be happy. Because at the end of the day, no one else in this world is going to make me happy. You know how many people wait around for someone to make them happy? Hey, if you're waiting for someone else to make you happy, you're going to be waiting for a very long time. The great news is you control your own happiness. The bad news is 
You control your own happiness. At the end of the day, what you choose to make of your emotional disposition, that is where you will be in life. So that works. Now I understand Mizmar Ladavid and Ladavid Mizmar. What's unique about this capital is what? And number one, what's unique about chapter 27? What do you have? Just Ladavid. So this is fascinating. So her shall be understand Mizmar Ladavid, Ladavid Mizmar. What about just plain old Ladavid? What happens then? So look at number three. Rav Hirsch writes, for the explanation of this superscription, Ladavid, see commentary quotes, he refers us to number two. Psalm 27.2 simply expresses the thoughts and attitudes which filled David's spirit and guided him on his life on earth. So this is incredible. According to Rav Hirsch, when you say Ladavid, Ladavid is almost like just a free flow of Davidic consciousness. David Amalek is telling us about life. About life, it's not about simcha, it's not about sorrow, it's not about happiness, unhappiness. Lid David means this is a capital that contains King David's deepest life thoughts, deepest life strategies, deepest life outlooks. It's not prophetic, it's not happy, it's not sad, it's just simply like his life philosophy, his life hashkafa which is really incredible, right? Because so many of us are looking for good outlooks on life, looking for good strategies on life, right? The shelves are filled with self-help books. But again, the incredible part is, the, the, I, I think the, early, well, the earliest self-help book is the Torah. But when we delve into Tehillim, we begin to see that David HaMelech gives us so many of the strategies and so many of the necessary things to be able to lead impactful, meaningful, and important lives. So the David says of Shamshun Fal Hirsch, is not King David in a spirit of prophecy, giving expression to that prophetic state through song, nor is it King David trying to lift himself up from the throes of sadness through song. Rather, what's Ledavid? Ledavid is David HaMelech philosophizing on life. Let me give you life wisdom. Life wisdom. That's chapter 27. By the way, now you begin to understand why we, we, before we even delve into this, we understand why we are constantly saying this capital, right? In Nosach Ashkenaz, we say it again, Shachris and, and, uh, and Mariv. In Nosach Svar, they do it, Shachris and Mincha. But pretty much everyone's saying it twice a day for the entire month of Elul through the Yamim Noraim. Why? Because what are we trying, if you think about it, what is it that we're trying to accomplish over the Yamim Noraim? It's a good question to think about, right? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? If I were to ask you, what are you trying to accomplish? Getting close to Hashem. Getting close to Hashem. Beautiful. Good. What else? Yiras Hashem. Yiras Hashem. Beautiful. Good. What else? Tshuva. I heard someone whisper tshuva. Right? Tshuva. Right? Tshuva. Tshuva is like, people say tshuva like they say like Pesach. You know, Pesach. Pesach is coming, right? Pesach. Right? Tshuva. Tshuva. Like, you know. So, so what's, again, tshuva. But, do you know what the essence of Elul is? The whole essence of Elul is an opportunity to finish up any loose ends, tie up any loose ends from the previous year, right? But also like plan, plan. I want to be a planner. I want to really think about it, strategize. I believe Hashem is going to give me another year of life. I believe he gave me this year. I asked him for this year. He gave me this year. He gave me the year before. I absolutely believe with all of my heart and soul that he's going to give me next year as well. Fantastic. So he's going to give it to me. I'm confident of that. But now I have to make sure that I maximize it. 
Sometimes you get a gift, you get a gift, something you wanted so badly, you get it, and then you realize once you got it, you don't know what to do with it. And by the way, that happens so often in life. I mentioned this on Shabbos, but I'll show this here. You know, the amazing part is we sometimes forget about this. When you come to Chodesh Elo, come to Chodesh Elo, the truth is there's such, such a state of simcha. What's the simcha? Hashem answered our tefillos. What were we davening for a year ago this time? What were we davening for, right? If you stopped any one of us a year ago and you asked, you asked us, what's the most important thing you're davening for in the year ahead? What would the answer have been? Life. Hashem answered our tefillos. Hashem answered our tefillos. Here we are. We sit here learning together a year later. And Hashem doesn't answer every tefillah for life in the affirmative. There are many cheshbonos of Hashem. The Ribbon Shalom has granted us our tefillos. He's given us another year of life. And so therefore, I expect he's going to renew my contract, so to speak, in this world, right? And give me another year of life. Great. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with this great gift? So comes along capital Chav Zayin, David, and what happens in this capital? All the strategies and philosophies that you need to lead a successful life. So take a look at number four. A little bit of context. A little bit of context. Um, the truth is, I, I, I'll, I'll mention number four, even though it's not so related right now. But remember, again, for those of you who have been with us on our journey in Tehillim for the last couple of years, you know that part of the profundity of learning Sefer Tehillim is the ability to identify what life event is behind this particular capital. Some chapters of Tehillim are related to specific events in David HaMelech's life. Others, others at least as far as we know, don't seem to be related to a particular event that maybe speak about David HaMelech's life in general, speak about the human condition in general. Now, what's interesting about this particular capital, as we'll see in coming weeks, David HaMelech speaks a lot about enemies. There's a lot of conversations about enemies, pursuers. People are trying to destroy me and to undermine me. Now, granted, at the end of the day, David HaMelech begins the capital with an incredible sense of confidence. Hashem is my light, my salvation. From who shall I be afraid? God is my stronghold of my life. Who shall, of whom shall I be frightened? Now, the fact that David is saying, who shall I be afraid from? Who shall I be frightened from? Indicates that there are people who technically he should be afraid of. So the Al-Sheikh in number four points out something amazing. The Al-Sheikh says the context of this capital, and it's going to be very important, the context, look at for Aleph, the Davar Hashem Ori V'yishi, V'hu, Ki Hine Odenu Omeid B'tzaras Inyon Batsheva, Shenim Shachlo Tigras Aivav HaKrovim Elav. So to understand, so much, you know, sometimes in life, you make a decision. And a lot of times in life, the day-to-day decisions you make don't necessarily chart your life on one trajectory or another, right? What you eat for lunch doesn't really, it's a decision. But Lamaisa, it's not going to be like your life turns out differently if you have milchiks or fleshiks, right? At the end of the day, most, a lot of things that we go through, but there are some decisions in life that fundamentally alter the trajectory of my entire existence. David HaMelech has such an episode like that with the entire episode of Batsheba. We're going to delve into that more in the coming weeks. But the entire episode of Batsheba it, it, it altered the trajectory of King David's life. Now, in certain respects, in many positive ways, because the union with Bathsheba ultimately produces Shlomo. Shlomo is named by Hashem Yedidya. 
the beloved one of God, and it is Shlomo who is given the opportunity to build the Beis HaMikdash, which indicates to us that obviously, David HaMelech's union with Bathsheba was blessed by the Ribono Shel Olam. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the origins, right, the beginnings of that relationship did not start out the right way. And as a result, David HaMelech makes many Enemies. If you take a look at number four, Aleph, he says, So again, here, the Asher quotes the Gemara Bab Metziah and talks about the idea, the idea that David HaMelech was tormented, tormented over the episode with Bathsheba. Who was he tormented by? He was tormented by his fellow Jews. The Gemara says, the Gemara says that David HaMelech would walk into the base Medrash. And as he was in the base Medrash, they would ask him, David, David, what's the punishment for adultery? So they would ask, what's the punishment for adultery? And David HaMelech said, right, obviously humiliated, he would say the punishment for adultery is death. But a person has a chilek in Olam Haba, a person has a portion of the world to come. But one who is mevayish penei if you humiliate someone in public, you have no chilek in Olam Haba. You have no portion of the world to come. But this is what David HaMelech had to contend with. And this was day in and day out. The public humiliations, the public shaming. Remember again, David HaMelech from the beginning, when he started out, he faced those who wanted to delegitimize his claim to the throne by claiming that he stole it from Shaul. Right? Then the episode of Bathsheba. Episode after episode after episode. So the Al-Sheikh, I'm going to tell you this outside, the Al-Sheikh essentially says that generally... People go ahead and face two different types of enemies. Two different types of enemies. There are internal enemies and external enemies. Meaning what? Who are the external enemies? So those we understand. Right? So if you're King David, who's your external enemy? Again, the neighboring nations, the hostile nations. Like those are my actual external enemies. But the Alshik says every person also encounters an internal enemy. Who's the internal enemy? The internal enemy is the Yitzhahara. The evil inclination, I've said this many times, but it, it behooves us to repeat it. Remember, when we speak about the Yitzhahara, we're not referring to some you know, little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork, you know, who stands on my shoulder, you know, whispering going ear to sin. The Yitzhahara represents the idea. You know how sometimes in life, you want to do something and it doesn't happen? Or you start doing something and it just totally blows up and goes in the wrong direction? And at first, right, the, re, the, the reflexive reaction is, whose fault is it? And then what's interesting to note is a lot of times in life, if I'm honest with myself, I... I'm sure it's fine. Right? So a lot of times, I think they're putting up the wall in the back of there. Right? So a lot of times in life, I begin to realize that I sabotage myself. Right? All of us, all of us have episodes in life of self-sabotage. I just write, how many times does it happen? I'm in a situation, right? Think about it. I'm in a situation. I know I shouldn't say anything. I know I shouldn't. And brother, you, you can fill in the blanks, right? It could be with your children, with your in-law children, right? It could be with your parents, your in-laws, your spouse, your friends. I know I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. I have something really important to say, right? It's, it's so wise. It's so incredible. And I know in my mind, it's not going to make a difference. All it's going to do is make people angry, right? You ever have a situation like this? And I know it. I hear it in my head. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. And then what happens? Then what happens? What happens? I say it. And then all Gehenna breaks loose, right? This one's saying, who did that? 
Who did that? I did it. I did it. I totally, by the way, lest you think that this is crazy, people ruin their families like this. And who did it? Oh, well, it's easy. Well, I was giving mustard to my son. I was giving mustard. Be quiet. Be quiet. You know it's not going to help. You know it's not going to do anything. You know all it's going to do is turn your loved ones against them. I'm giving the familial example as one. But sometimes a person just like can't help themselves. I have, it's just so important. I have to say it. That's the eight Sahara. That's the eight Sahara. It's the self-sabotaging mechanisms that we have inside of us that we just simply don't know how to stop, how to control. So interestingly enough, the Al-Sheikh writes something amazing. Al-Sheikh explains that Halacha there are two different enemies. Internal enemy, external enemy. But then the Al-Sheikh explains there's a third enemy as well for David HaMelech. Who was the third enemy of David HaMelech? It was his co-religionists kind of referring back to what we were just mentioning before, that David HaMelech has to deal with the animosity from his fellow Jews over the episode with Bathsheba. And the Al-Sheikh highlights over here that this entire capital is dedicated, is dedicated towards David HaMelech contending with enemies on three fronts. Internal enemies, Yitzhah, external enemies, we'll call it non-Jewish surrounding enemies, and what we'll call it internal external enemies. The internal external enemies are the enemies who are right by your side. They're not inside of you, but they're all around you all of the time. His, old, his fellow Jews, who just made his life so incredibly miserable. Now here's what the Kabbalah says, the Al-Sheikh. How does David Melech begin the capital? David Melech says, I had a hard life. I had a really hard life. And by the way, how long did the antagonism towards David continue until? How long did it continue until? Right? By the way, even once he was dead, it still continued. You know when it stopped? You know the Gemara Masech Shabbos tells us when did it stop? When Shlomo built the base Hamikdash. Shlomo built the base Hamikdash, and what happens? The Jews are coming now to bring the ark to bring the ark into the Mikdash. It's only one problem: the gates of the courtyard of the Mikdash would not open. They wouldn't open. Shlomo Hamelech is davening, supplicating, pleading, won't open until he finally says, Hashem. Do this, open the gates in the merit of David, your servant. In that moment, the gates flung wide open. And the Yemar says, in that moment, everyone saw that David HaMelech was forgiven. And the Yemar says, David's greatest antagonists were still alive. Their faces turned ashen when they realized that they had persecuted an innocent and pious man. So the persecution for David HaMelech never abates. But it says the Ashik something amazing. So David, how did you do it? How did you do it? Right? So what does David say? He really gives the answer in the opening phrase. David, so you want to know how I dealt with life adversity? Hashem Ori. Hashem was my light. That's how I dealt with life adversity. By utilizing the light of Hashem to illuminate my way. Absolutely beautiful. There's only one problem, which is, what does it mean? Right, what, what, what does it mean that Hashem is my light? What, what, what does that concept mean? So I want to show you something amazing. If you take a look at number five. So remember again, we are introduced, we are introduced to light, to the concept of light, of course, already at the beginning of Bereshus. Vayomer Elohim, Yehi'ar, Vayehi'ar. Right, Hashem said, let there be light. And ultimately, again, there was light. 
Now, what was the purpose of light? What was the purpose of R in the beginning of creation? What role did it serve? What role did it serve? So remember again, when the Torah opens up, how does the Torah introduce us to the universal condition? The earth is dark. It's astonishingly empty. It's just dark. So on a most basic level, what was the role of light? What was the role of light? The role of light ultimately was to go ahead and chase away the darkness. That's the goal of light. Light is not really, light, light is an ends unto itself. But at the end of the day, light is also a means by which one chases away the darkness. But what does that do? Let, let's, let's delve a little bit, a little bit deeper. Because so what is the deeper role of light? What does it mean to chase away the darkness? Remember, we're trying, trying to figure out, David HaMelech says, Hashem, you are my Ori. Hashem, you are my light. What, what, what does that mean? What is that relationship with Hashem? I mean, how does it manifest itself? So I'll show you something amazing. If we take a look at number six. So we read a couple of weeks, I actually quoted this in Shul a couple of weeks ago, in the beginning of Parashas Re'eh, just two weeks ago. So Parashas Re'eh opens with the Pasuk, Re'eh Anuchi Nosin Lifnechem Hayom, Bracha Uklala. See, I have placed before you today a Bracha and a Klala. So again, what Moshe Rabbeinu is essentially saying is, he's outlining, he's outlining that in life, in life, it's interesting, in life, the only place where you will find pariv is where? Is where? In your kitchen, right? Otherwise, other than utensils or pots or ingredients, nothing in life is pariv. Either what you're doing is good or it's not good. There's no such thing as a pariv action. Because, you know, again, an individual is either ascending or descending. There's really no staying in place or stagnation in Yiddishkeit. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, listen, when you're living your lives, make a choice. Make a choice. Choose a team. Do you want bracha or do you want klala? Do you want blessing or do you want curse? Do you want tov? Do you want ra? Do you want mutter? Do you want asr? Do you want tameh? Do you want tar? But you have to choose a team. You have to choose a team. You have to choose a derech. You have to choose a path forward. But the Lubavitch Rebbe says something so beautiful. And he says, you have to read the Pasuk a little bit differently. Look what he writes in number seven of the Kutei Sichos. The Rebbe writes, Ani nosin lachem es Now just to appreciate what Lubavitch Rebbe is saying, if you go back to number six for just a moment. So the way we normally read the Pasuk is how? Re'eh, see, I have placed before you today a bracha and a klala. Blessing and a curse. The Lubavitch Rebbe explains that's not how you read it. Rather instead, read it as, I am giving to you today what? What am I giving to you? What am I giving you? I'm giving you the power to see. I'm giving you the power of I'm giving you the power of sight. I'm giving you the ability to see life as it is. Now the truth is, where does this koach of re'e come from? This koach of re'e, koach, to see, ultimately, again, ultimately, is, is rooted in R, right? Because there's R, because there's light, kind of the corollary to that. After there's R, after there's light in the world, Hashem says, I've given you the power to see. Now, animal space, what does it mean Hashem gives us the power to see? 
And I think Moshe is teaching us such an incredible lesson. Sometimes in life, we just simply don't want to see the things that are obvious. You know, we like to say, life is never clear cut. There's so much gray. The truth is, there's not so much gray. There's a little bit of gray. But the truth is, most of life is black and white. Most of life, there's clarity. There's clarity. What I should do, what I shouldn't do. What I should pursue, what I shouldn't pursue. Where I should stand up, where I should sit down. Where I should be active, where I should be passive. Most of life has explicit clarity. What's the problem? What's the problem? I don't want to see it. You see, it's convenient to live in a world of gray, or at least to say the world is gray. Because then the truth is like, I can get by without having to take dynamic activity or make dynamic decisions. The world is gray. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, there's some gray, but most of it is not gray. I give you the power to see. If you open your eyes, you can see life for what it is. If you open your eyes before I make decisions, you know, you ever think, we, we all have experiences like this, where we make decisions, right? I make a decision, I do something. And then, bad decision, bad decision. And the truth is, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I think, more often than not, when we make bad decisions, what is that a result of? What is that a result of? Oh, no one's ever made bad decisions. Baruch Hashem, wow, I'm jealous of all of you. Incredible. The pious group. Okay, someone who's made plenty of bad life decisions, more often than not, it's because I didn't think it through. I kept my eyes closed. I kept my eyes closed. I, I refused to avail myself of the power of Re'eh. Sometimes in life, there are decisions that turn out badly, and the truth is, I was like sideswiped. You know, like, I, I could not have known. I could not, that definitely happens. But I think that's the exception. More often than not, when we find ourselves holding the bag on bad decisions, it's just simply because I chose to make the decision with my eyes closed. I didn't use the power of Re'eh. Moshe Rabbeinu says the greatest gift that Hashem has given us is the ability to see, to make informed life decisions, to make informed lifestyle decisions, to make informed dynamic decisions. That is the koach of Re'eh. That is the power, the gift of the ability to see. And when you use your gift of Re'eh, says Moshe Rabbeinu, you begin to see, yeah, life are these choices between bracha and klala. And often it's an either or. And there's a lot of black and white and very little gray in the world. But I have to open my eyes. I have to open my eyes. If I don't make informed life decisions, if I don't open up my eyes to go ahead and see the opportunities and the situations that are in front of me, then of course I'm always going to make bad decisions. And here is the role of light. See, because without light, you can't see. So the role of R, the reason why Hashem begins creation with R, with light, is because Hashem understands the greatest gift we have is the koach the ability to see, the ability to make informed life decisions. There's another aspect of the koach Take a look at number eight. In the Sefer Ali Shor, so the Mechab writes something so beautiful. He says, this is actually a beautiful, beautiful idea to learn during Chodesh. He says the beginning of what we call, what we call avoda pratit, right? Avoda pratis means my personal work, 
right? I've the pratis, my, 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 my personal work. In other words, the work I want to do on myself. The beginning of my personalistic avoda, hidafka chavias romimus adam, is to begin by looking at your accomplishments. Right? When, when, I, when I want to take a, a look at myself and I want to analyze how am I living, how am I doing, what am I doing, am I on the right path, how does that process start? See, it's interesting. Don't start by beating yourself up over your failures. Begin first by looking at your accomplishments. What am I doing well? Where am I going right in life? Right? What's, what's, what's good? Look what he writes. Because a person who never focuses on his or her good, his or her accomplishments. And all I do is beat myself up over my failures. And literally to give myself musr over this. Yoser v'yoser yishka b'yeyosh. The more I the more I fall into a state of despair. Obesof yashlim im hara me'efes tikvalitakno. And at the end of the day, you simply lose total and profound hope on yourself. So here the Alishra is saying so profound. That what's the role of light? So if we come, we're just building one on top of the other, right? The power of light. The power of light is the ability to see. The ability to see is the power of re'eh. The power of re'eh on one hand is open your eyes before you make decisions. Think it through before you decide on a course of action. Weighs the pros, weighs the con. What are you going to gain? What are you going to lose? Live a re'eh life. You know what else our re'eh allows me to do? When I take personal inventory, look at the good. You know, so often, I can't say it's so interesting, over Chodesh Elul, I've come to find... There are, there are often two religious experiences that people do not like. I find this much more by men than women. What are the two religious experiences that many people don't like? Elul and the Seder. Elul and the Seder. So a lot of times for men, it's often because they grew up in homes where they were forced to stay at the Seder table the entire night. Just as an aside, don't force your kids to stay at the Seder table. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Let them come and go as they want. The most important thing in Yiddishkeit is that it's sweet, is that it's enjoyable, and that they have positive memories. Forcing your kids to do anything religious, usually, I mean, like, like forcing unnecessary, some things you have to force, unnecessary things usually doesn't work out. And Elul, why Elul? Because the truth is, many of us are conditioned to Elul. What's Elul all about? Elul is about figuring out how decrepit of a human being you are. Right? What's the goal of Elul? Right? Let me identify every single failure. Let's talk about every single thing I've done wrong. Let me get a head start at eroding any level of self-worth, right? any level of personalistic good. That's what I am. And the truth is, if that's your approach to Elul, one thing I will tell you is, at a certain point in time, people get tired of feeling badly about themselves and more often than not, they just simply give up. Sometimes people give up just by totally walking away. Sometimes people give up just by stopping to care. So it says the Ali Shur, that's because that's wrong. That's, that, that, that is a faulty hashkafa. Do you know what Elul starts with? Elul starts with a positive personalistic inventory. What am I doing right? Let's, let's talk about my strengths. Let's talk about what's good. Let's talk about what's working. Let's talk about the areas where I've improved. Let's talk about the things that I started doing now that I haven't done before. Let's start with that. Or in other words, let's shine light 
on the positive. Let's, now again, doesn't mean I could ignore my faults and my shortcomings and my failures. Of course not. Of course not. I have to get back to those as well. But that's not where personal growth begins. Personal growth begins by taking stock and celebrating the accomplishments, the positives. Build yourself up. And then afterwards, you have the courage to go and address all of those things that are in a state of disrepair. What does art do? What does light do? Light allows you to shine. I should say, light is to be used or shine the light on the positive. The koach of re'eh, the koach of re'eh, which is again, so just to follow the progression, I have light. What is light? And again, it's not an accident. Hashem could have created, remember, think about this just a moment. Hashem could have created anything first, right? Does it matter, think, does it matter for us that Hashem created light first? No, why? Man's not created till the sixth day. Right? So remember again, make whatever you want on day number one. I, I make whatever you may, may make, make the Leviathan, you know, make, make the earth, make, make whatever you want. There's a reason why Hashem decided that the first thing I'm going to create in the world is R. There's a reason for that. And the reason for that is because Hashem is trying to hint to us the power of light is that it gives you the ability to see. That ability to see is called the power of re'eh. And what Hashem says to us is the most important thing you can have in life is the ka'ach the ability to see, the ability to utilize light. How do you utilize light? So number one, make informed decisions. Number two, what the Ali Shor says, shed the light on your good. Don't focus all the time on the negative. Sometimes we're conditioned to think that you know how you gauge piety? Like the more miserable I am about the type of human being I am, that's the firmer I am, right? Oh, you feel really bad about yourself? Whoa, wow, mamish. Like, that's like art scroll biography worthy, right? You know, in other words, no, that, that's terrible. That's, people don't grow that way. People give up in that way. So ultimately shed the light on the positive. And one last use of the Koach which is if you take a look at number 10, Rabbi Yitzhak Rabbi says something so beautiful. The Rabbi says, quoting the Pasuk from Yeshayo, he says, Hanosin Bayam Derech. So the Pasuk over here, number 9 is, Ki Amr Hashem, Hanosin Bayam Derech. So said Hashem, and what did Hashem do? Hashem made a way in the sea. Hanosin Bayam Derech. He made a way in the water, a way in the sea. And Rabbi Yitzhak says something amazing. What does it mean to make now? So just tell you, what does it mean make a way? Make a path in the sea. Hanosin Bayamderach Hashem makes a path in the sea. Says Rabbi Yitzchak, what does it mean to make a path in the sea? In number 10, Hanosin Bayamderach, Ze Rosh Chodesh Elo. What's the path in the sea to which the Navi is referring? The path in, see, the, path in the sea ultimately is Chodesh Elo this month. How is Elul a path in the sea? If you take a look at number 11, the Be'er Chaim says something absolutely beautiful. The Rebbe writes, he says, Yesh sheram derech. L- Listen to this, Marshal. Ki kasher yisa biyavashim So give the following, Marshal. You're driving a car, driving a car, and you realize that you are going the wrong way. Right? So think about this just a moment, right? You're, dri- you're driving down the beltway. You realize that you're going the wrong way. So what do you have to do? What do you have to do? Turn around. How do you turn around? Get off the... Oh, it's good. So like, unless you're from New York, where you just swing around like in the middle of the highway, right? So, so you'll recognize what I have to do. 
You have to get off the exit. And by the way, like you lose time, right? Because like, okay, I have to get off the exit and I have to go around. I have to get back on there. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole scenario. Even once I know, I know I'm going down the wrong path. I know it. I know it. But even once I know it, it takes time to navigate around to get myself on the bright path. Look what the Be'er Chaim writes. He says, "Im yite bal ha'agala v'yista midarkam yuedes lo ing biyado lasuv miyad ala kavav lama b'derach yashar ki bazei yifkam yosmino." So again, you're driving a wagon, you're driving a car. You just can't spin around and go onto the other side of the highway, right? You're going to get into an accident. It's dangerous. Takes time. You got to get off. You have to take the detour. You have to come swing back around. But look what he writes. Look what he writes. Masha enkein kisha aniyot toe belev yam. Listen to how beautiful this is. Says the Berachayim. But if you're traveling by boat, imagine traveling on the sea, and you realize that you're going in the wrong direction. What can you do the moment you realize you're going in the wrong direction? Turn right around. See, by sea, there's no exits. By sea, there's no protracted turnaround time. When you're traveling by sea, the, in the water, the moment you realize that the boat is on the wrong course, you have the ability to instantaneously turn it around. Says the Be'er Chaim. This is the meaning of Rabbi Levi Yitzchok's idea. What does it mean that Elul is Hanosin Bayam Derech? That ultimately Elul is a path in the water? See, this is incredible. During the rest of the year, if you realize you're going down the wrong path in life, so often, change is a process. The koach of Elul is the ability to affect instantaneous change. If I know, I know it's wrong path, wrong way, wrong, whatever it is, wrong whatever it is. During the other months of the year, if you want to affect change, it's going to take some time. But during Elul, if you just want to turn yourself around right now, just turn the boat around, right? A 180, right, right now, right now. There's no exits, there's no detours, there's no protracted change time, there's no shoulders, there's no median, there's nothing. Just turn it around. That's Hanosin Bayam Derech. And that's the Koach HaRi'iyo. That's what we see in Chodesh Elul. That's what we see in this month, you see the R that Hashem gave us facilitates the Koach HaRi'ah, the ability to see. And what does the ability to see teach us in this sacred month? What do you see? What I see is something amazing. If I want to turn myself around, I can do it right now, instantaneously. Now, obviously, are there certain circumstances in your life you can't change? Of course. But what it's talking about are aspects that are me. My identity, my personality, my feelings, my approaches, my hashkafas, my outlooks, my interactions, my relationships. If I want to turn them around instantaneously, that ability is within reach. And that's what our koach that's what we're able to see during this particular month, that instantaneous change is... Pro- now, I want to point something out. We'll talk about this in future shiurim. There's a different discussion as to whether or not instantaneous change is good. Right? It's, it's a big machlokas. Is instantaneous change good? Maybe gradual change is better. The truth is, sometimes in life, it's not a question of what's good or what's better. It's a question of what I need to do. 
And I think for many of us, see, I would venture to say that we're, we're all in the same boat of the human condition. And chances are, most of the things that I have to change about myself are not new things. Most of the time, the things I have to change were the same things I had to change last year, five years ago, and 10 years ago. Maybe they manifest themselves differently over different times, but it's the same thing. So why not just make the change? Just make the change. Just turn the boat around. Oh, it takes time. You need the nautical map. You need it. No, you don't. No, you don't. All you do is you put your hands on the steering wheel, you turn as hard as you can, as quickly as you can, and you turn the boat around. Sometimes what you need to do to right your life is to affect dramatic, instantaneous change. And says Rebbe Yitzchak, Elul is the month for that. So if you bring this last piece together, what you see is something absolutely amazing. Hashem creates light. And the first thing He creates in this world is light. Why? Why light? Light allows you to see. Because at the end of the day, the most important lesson that we take as individuals is the lesson of Re'eh. Re'eh anochi nosin lefnei The greatest gift that Hashem has given us, the reason He created our light first was to give us the gift of Re'eh, the gift of sight. The ability, and what does it mean? What is the gift of, what does the gift of sight give me? It gives me three things. Number one, the gift of sight, as facilitated by R, by light, gives me the ability to make informed decisions. Let's stop making uninformed life decisions. Let's stop acting before we think and then wondering why our decisions often blow up in our face afterwards. All the information is often, all the information I need to make good decisions is there right in front of me. I just have to be wise enough and live life with my eyes open in order to be able to analyze that information and make informed decisions. So number one, Re'iyah, sight facilitated by light, allows me to make good, healthy, and informed decisions. Number two, light, which allows for Re'iyah, allows me see the good in myself. Don't spend your life beating yourself up. You know, there's a beautiful, beautiful idea by the Ger Rebbe. The Sfasema says, the Sfasema says, and I mentioned this before, that in Mayriv, in Mayriv of, of Matzah Yom Kippur, Mayriv of Matzah Yom Kippur, right? So we say, Slach lano avinu ki chatanu. So Sfasema says, what? Right? In other words, I just finished Yom Kippur. I just finished Ni'ilah. I just finished Ni'ilah, right? I haven't done anything. I'm too tired to speak Lashon Hara. Right? In other words, I, I, there's nothing, I haven't sinned. Why do I have to say, forgive me for I've sinned? You know what the Sassana says? Because sometimes we commit the sin of not believing that we can really be forgiven. Sometimes the greatest Tavera that we commit is that we have such a lack of self-esteem, such a lack of self-worth that I don't believe that I'm forgivable. I don't believe I'm forgivable. So that says, so says Hashem, so therefore, Matziyom Kippur, Israel is going to say, forgive me Hashem, because I didn't believe that Yom Kippur could really atone for someone like me. So what does R, what does R and Re'iyah allow me to do? It allows me to see the positivity inside myself. To focus, take time out every single day and take accounting of what you're doing well, of what you're doing good, of how you're growing, of how you've progressed, of the challenges you've been able to overcome. Give yourself a shkoyach for your life accomplishments. And number three, light provides re'iyah, allows us to see, especially during this month, that instantaneous change 
is possible. Imagine you go home tonight and you decide for yourself, you know what? I'm not changing five things because changing five things never works. I'm changing one thing. One thing. And by the way, I would say, what's the one thing? What's the one thing? Choose the easiest thing. The easiest thing. And imagine a person says to themselves, you know what? I'm, I'm flipping the switch. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not that, whatever you fill in the blank for yourself, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that. In that moment, I turn my boat around. Right? It's not a car. I don't need to get off here and go over. I'm just turning the boat around. The R allows me to see that instantaneous change is possible. These are the three aspects of our And that re'iyah, that re'ay, is only enabled by the R, by the light that Hashem created on the first day of creation. And now, if we go all the way back, now I begin to understand what David HaMelech is saying. David. David is telling us, you know, life is filled with struggles. Life is filled with struggles, right? This is not David HaMelech prophesizing, David HaMelech singing. This is David HaMelech talking to us about life. Life is filled with peaks and valleys, ups and downs. So how do you successfully navigate life? And David HaMelech says, Hashem Ori, or the David Hashem Ori. You have to use the light. You have to use the light. You have to use the light, says David HaMelech, to allow me to open my eyes. I have to use the light of creation to facilitate a life of re'eh, which then allows me to make informed decisions, allows me to see the good inside of myself, and allows me to know and understand that I could affect instantaneous change if I choose to do so. David HaMelech says, living life with this understanding and appreciation of the R is exactly what steadied me through all of the difficult times in life. It's the knowledge of the light and the lessons of light, says Davra Melech, that allowed me to continue to be successful no matter what life threw my way. One little word. One little word, Ori. One little spark of light can contain so many lessons. This was the guiding light for David HaMelech, and we should be Zoch and Mirat Hashem that it should become our guiding light as well. We'll stop over here for tonight, and Mirat Hashem will continue in Kapitol Chavzayim next week, and then the week after is our pre Yamim Noraim Shem Mirat Hashem. All right, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back.